Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Hello and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today, just like everybody expected in the middle of April 2019, Sony essentially leaked uh, a lot of details about what it is thinking in respect of its next generation console in a magazine article in Wired. Uh, and so without further ado, let's start taking a look at that because this is an absolutely fascinating uh, piece, first of all, to just kind of consider what the PlayStation 5 is going to be made up of and why, but also from a business and legal standpoint, exactly what the purpose of messaging uh, from Sony is. We don't usually see the details of a next generation console presented in this way in a random article in the middle of April when by all accounts, we're probably not looking at a PlayStation 5 launch until 2020 uh, and probably late 2020 at that. Uh, I have my doubts about that now just based on what was presented today, and we'll get into those. Uh, but it is the first time that I can recall that a presentation of a new console has really gone this way. Generally speaking, they have been done with something like a Nintendo Direct and a commercial or a press conference like uh, Xbox did. Certainly in the mid-generation refreshes, we saw some presentations. We saw the PlayStation Pro presented, uh, maybe not that well, uh, in, a, in a room, in a conference room with some presentations, with some demonstrations about how it was to function. And this isn't that. Uh, this is essentially an interview uh, with Mark Cerny who talks about what the PlayStation 5, which is the assumed name of the next generation console, they don't give it that name in this article, what it's going to look like, what it's going to be, what the basic thrusts of the architecture are aimed at, which obviously could change even from now till uh, next year if it launches in 2020. Uh, but to give an impression of what Sony is thinking for what should be in this thing, and there are a couple of things to highlight. Uh, looking at this article from Wired, it's called Exclusive, What to Expect from Sony's Next-Gen PlayStation. And the very first thing we see here is that Mark Cerny would like to get one thing out of the way right now. The video, ga the video game console that Sony has spent the past four years building is no mere upgrade. And I think when we start talking about exactly why Sony is making a statement like this by allowing this information out, by agreeing to an interview with Wired in this way, we have to kind of discuss exactly what they're trying to achieve. And I think this is one of the items they are trying to achieve, which is it's not a refresh. They looked at what they had done with the PlayStation 4. And from a management perspective, they said, we need to make very clear that people don't think that we're going fully into a kind of iPhone ecosystem where the next system is the next half step up from the last system. And maybe you just hop on when you've got a few hundred spare bucks and it's all, otherwise all the same. That didn't happen here. What happened here instead was that they talk about this isn't an upgrade. Obviously, you're selling a product. You want to communicate that it's not an upgrade. You want people to buy it. 
but it does sound like there are certain fundamental changes to the architecture here, which are important. And fundamental change is one of the things we see in the next paragraph where they talk about uh, fundamental change in what a game can be is what they're aimed at in PlayStation 5. And we'll get to that in a little bit. I think the biggest item there is in respect of the hard drive, uh, which they are changing to a solid state drive. As laptop and computer users have been familiar with for some time now, that can massively improve loading times. And certainly in a console environment, you would assume can really improve loading times when developers know exactly what they're aimed at, exactly what uh, piece of architecture and kind of drive they're working with when they are uploading assets or otherwise dealing with computations at the console level. So I do think that is potentially a fundamental game change, a game changer for the games that Sony and PlayStation can present. Uh, but one of the questions is exactly what Microsoft is thinking, and we are anticipating some kind of announcement, uh, if not a full reveal, at least of this kind of type with light uh, sketching of what the architecture of the next Xbox is going to be at E3 this year, uh, which Sony isn't attending. The other thing they want to communicate is the next item in this article that I've highlighted here, which is that it won't be landing in stores anytime in 2019. So this is an important kind of note from a marketing perspective. One of the things that happens when a product like a PlayStation 4 or a PlayStation 4 Pro has been out in the market for a number of years is people start to think if they haven't already climbed onto the ecosystem, if they haven't already purchased one of those products, they start to think, okay, yeah, I could spend X amount of dollars right now, but I don't want to get burned by the next great thing coming out next month. I don't want to get burned by the PlayStation 5 being announced in June and coming out in November when I bought a PlayStation 4 in April or May or what have you. And so it is important if you know the product isn't going to come out this year to tell your customer base, particularly those that aren't already a part of your ecosystem, that, hey, it's perfectly safe to buy our system right now because this thing we're talking about in this article, this thing that everybody should be excited about, especially those who already have a PlayStation 4, isn't going to come out for any time in the very near future. It's not going to come out very likely until 2020, uh, but certainly not this year, certainly not this holiday season. Please feel free to buy a PlayStation 4. Uh, we would love your money. And I think that is communicated. So we've got two concepts right now in the article that they wanted to express. It's not a mere upgrade. It's not a PlayStation 4 Pro jump from PlayStation 4. It's something completely new and makes uh, games possible that weren't possible at the PlayStation 4 level. And also that what we're talking about in this article isn't coming out this year. So please don't stop buying PlayStation 4. We love to sell those things. And I think right at the front of the article, those being the, the main points of emphasis from Sony is an important thing to take away as we try to kind of tease out and piece together exactly why Sony would make an announcement of its brand new console environment in this fashion. It also says here that Sony recently accelerated its deployment of dev kits so that game creators will have the time they need to adjust to its capabilities, which means Sony is right now in early 2019 uh, really sending out a lot of the infrastructure to developers that will allow the PlayStation 5 to hopefully thrive. And so they're trying to give a feeling for the timeline that we're in. And Sony just getting those dev kits out now also suggests that the console isn't around the corner. Although whether it comes out in early or late 2020 uh, is one of those things that I have discussed on social media, which we're going to get into. Uh, and there is uh, different opinions uh, about that particular type. To get into the kind of hardware components, I am not an expert uh, at technology in this. I just buy the next PlayStation and look at the pretty graphics on my 4K TV, etc. But there are a couple of things here uh, which jump up. They talk about a brand new CPU uh, in the AMD line. And then they also talk about a GPU that's going to support ray tracing, uh, which is 
uh, one of the new magic phrases, the new magic technologies that you're hearing a lot about in respect of GPUs at the laptop and computer level, and essentially allows uh, these chips and these cards to do some fancy things with lighting, uh, to do some fancy things by being able to essentially mark a, a light ray, or I believe they can use it for other purposes. That's one of the things that's mentioned here in this article, across multiple uh, locations through multiple materials, uh, and with that computational processing, make things look more realistic. Uh, one of the things Cerny says here, which I've highlighted, is uh, another kind of aspect of ray tracing, which I wasn't familiar with before this article, although some people that follow this a little bit more closely might have been. It says, if you wanted to run tests to see if the player can hear certain audio sources or if the enemies can hear the player's footsteps, ray tracing is useful for that. It's all the same thing as taking a ray through the environment. So he's saying that, yes, it can make graphics great. It can do all these things that you have seen if you've watched any of these tech demos for computers or laptops. But what you might not be thinking of, because he's an engineer, because he's engineering this new system, is the fact that once you are documenting and computing a ray through an environment, you can have that ray be something other than light. You can do something else with it, and he thinks that's going to improve video games in a tangible way. I don't know whether that will be the case or not, but it's certainly interesting, and I didn't know it before I read this article, and I always appreciate when I learn things from articles that I didn't know before I started reading them. The next item on the hit list for hardware he talks about is 3D audio. Uh, and he says this is mostly going to be used for headphone audio. It doesn't require extra horsepower. It can be used through your TV, but you're not really going to feel it necessarily coming from one speaker source uh, in a television. So that'll be interesting to try out with a headphone when the PlayStation 5 comes out. I'm not really a headphone guy. I do have a, a fairly nice sound system set up. Uh, for uh, the Xbox and the PlayStation. I don't know whether it will take advantage of this or not. But again, what he's describing really sound to me more like incremental improvements. Absolutely great what you would expect. It's going gonna, it's gonna to calculate more teraflops. It's going to be able to do things faster, more strongly, more beautifully. Uh, but it's essentially sounding like a PlayStation 4 with a, with a souped-up card environment. It does, right now in this article, sound like that kind of half-step up from the PlayStation 4 to the PlayStation Pro to the PlayStation 5. Uh, but one of the things that they uh, really highlight is uh, the SSD. Uh, and so they talk about adding a solid state drive to the PlayStation for the first time and how that's going to massively improve uh, load times. Wired here doesn't really get into the specifics because Sony didn't share the specifics with them other than to say here, What's built into Sony's next-gen console is something a little more specialized than a standard SSD in a laptop, uh, which Cerny pointed out can still make him wait between Word and Excel for 15 seconds. So they are going to have something that's custom-built, as you would expect for a console, and targeted, tailored for these video game streaming experiences. And so to demonstrate, he put on Spider-Man from Insomniac, and it says here in the article, when Spidey reappears in a totally different spot in Manhattan using the fast travel system in that game, 15 seconds have elapsed on the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is the current strongest PlayStation out in the market. Then Cerny does the same thing on a next-gen dev kit connected to a different TV. So the, the PlayStation 5 as it exists in its half ethereal form right now. It says, the dev kit, an early low-speed version, is concealed in a big silver tower with no visible componentry. I love the kind of uh, spycraft here uh, with respect to them hiding exactly what it looks like, the wires and everything else that is running this thing uh, on what is almost certainly some kind of computer that is designed to emulate what the PlayStation 5 is going to do. Uh, and it says, what took 15 seconds in the PlayStation 4 version of Spider-Man 
now takes less than one, 0.8 seconds to be exact. And obviously, if you're playing these open world games like I am, if you're playing virtually everything that's really kind of AAA that isn't a Battle Royale game, you are very familiar with fast travel points. You're very familiar with having to navigate across a a large open world in a a period of time. It's when I check my Twitter. It's when I answer some work emails uh, if I otherwise have them to answer uh, during these kinds of things, as well as, you know, anthem loads, things of that nature. And what they are saying here is that those load times are going to be hopefully pretty much completely eliminated with a solid state drive able to pull the assets that it needs for the world uh, much, much faster. And obviously, solid state drives are more expensive and and more expensive to get up to a real size. So one of the things the PlayStation 5 is definitely going to be working with is exactly how much data it has, uh, how much you can download, how much you can keep on your system. They don't really describe it here. It would surprise me if there isn't a more standard hard drive to go along with a, a solid-state drive and some kind of ability to, to switch data between the drives as one does uh, with a laptop uh, or with a computer where you essentially uh, prioritize the things you want to have uh, very quick access to from the computer like the operating system or like regularly used applications. It would surprise me if the Sony PlayStation 5 didn't do something along those lines. Uh, but... Uh, if it doesn't, you might have space problems. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they wind up coming up with for the kind of final look of the use of the solid state drive. Um, this article also points out what we already know. If you follow this channel or if you've discussed this with me on Twitter or elsewhere, uh, Sony's not attending E3 this year, which is one of the reasons I really flagged this and was really thinking about what Sony is even doing in 2019 because it's interesting. They're clearly trying a bunch of different messaging strategies that they haven't in the past. They're not doing anything the standard way. We saw a little while ago a brand new Sony Direct format that really does kind of try to ape Nintendo's approach to directly presenting informational materials on their current ecosystem, on their video games and products uh, in what they call State of Play, which is a cute little name uh, for a Sony Direct uh, that had its own kind of... Uh, issues to start out with, but it was the first time that they had tried to do an episode like that, and clearly they are trying to uh, both get information more directly in the hands of the people that they think it would be uh, most useful to get it in the hands of, uh, like consumers uh, on Twitter, like folks that listen to virtual legality that are discussing this article on Wired, like the folks that will watch a state of play and the trailers that come out of that state of play, rather than spending exorbitant amounts of money on E3, on Tokyo Game Show, on potentially PlayStation Experience. I'm not sure whether that's been confirmed as coming back this year or not. Obviously, it skipped last year, and Sony is just really laying low right now in terms of communications other than when it wants to, when it wants to put a video on YouTube like State of Play, when it wants to leak an interview about what it's thinking for what is very likely 2020 in a magazine like Wired. Uh, And so them skipping E3, which is added at the end of this article as a kind of reminder to what they're doing is just another data point in trying to figure out exactly what Sony's plan is. And I do think they're trying to get that information more directly. I do think they're trying to cut costs, frankly, uh, and I don't blame them. I don't think that the press conference set up the rental of a giant location, having an audience brought in, the logistics that are related to that, setting up a church that looks like it's from Last of Us. I don't think that is a terribly useful uh, function for Sony. I don't think that's a terrible, terribly useful expenditure of money when you can get uh, this information into people's hands much easier in the in the modern social media and internet age. Uh, but a part of me does 
become a little bit sad to see it go. I do think that's the way we are headed uh, because I don't think the E3s of old make a lot of sense. I don't think they get any more attention than you can get with a Nintendo Direct or a Sony Direct or what will probably be eventually a Microsoft Direct. The last thing I wanted to flag here, and they do reference that the PlayStation 5 will be uh, backwards compatible. Uh, It's above here. I didn't highlight it. It says, uh, because it's based in part on the PS4's architecture, it will also be backward compatible with games for that console, which was the expectation when the PlayStation 4 moved away from Sony's kind of uh, uh, institutional arrogance, one might say, for the PlayStation 3 and trying to do a lot of weird and different things with the way their processors were set up that really did prevent and prohibit a lot of the backwards compatibility that Microsoft is now having some success getting inroads on uh, by attaching all that backwards compatible software to the Xbox One ecosystem. And I think it was always clear that Sony had built the PlayStation 4 to be a more standardized architecture to really look to the future and have a PlayStation 5 that at least architecturally, regardless of what you think of SSD and 3D audio and ray tracing and everything else, at least architecturally would be better and more easily capable of having that backwards compatibility with the PlayStation 4 uh, architecture. So that's not a surprise, although it is a welcome bit of essentially confirmation for what we wanted to see out of the PlayStation 5. And it is going to be a a very cool thing to see. If Sony comes out later on, or if Sony comes out later on and says that not only is it backward compatible, but the PlayStation 5 has been built with a certain understanding of the PlayStation 4, and it can do a couple of cool things with the PlayStation 4 games right out of the box. It can clear up some stuff, add resolution, add frame rate, whatever it might do. I think that would be an even better, uh, even, even greater sales pitch for the PlayStation 5. The last thing in this article... He's talking about cloud gaming, and this is another kind of data point to why Sony makes uh, a statement like it's making right now. I, I don't know about you, but I often find myself really thinking of Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft acting in one particular kind of environment and not necessarily competing against phones and uh, computers and other things, and I think that that's becoming less and less the case. The lines are becoming more and more blurred. Uh, And one of the things that happened very recently at GDC was Google's announcement of Stadia. We see here the line in the article says, Google is leading a charge away from traditional consoles by launching a cloud gaming service Stadia later this year. And I did a virtual legality episode on that. You can check it out on this channel. Uh, But suffice it to say, it's essentially an entirely different way of presenting a video game environment to potential consumers. It has all of the game running on servers that Google controls, and it streams them to people's laptops or computers or tablets or phones. Uh, and it, what, they, what Google was touting there is it, it does it at a much faster, more powerful rate than the current PlayStation 4 Pros, the current Xbox One Xs. Uh, I think they said something in the neighborhood of 10.7 teraflops versus 6 and 4, respectively. Uh, but... PlayStation and Sony is making this announcement, is releasing this interview and these details in the environment, in a world where Google has made that announcement, where we see these kinds of rumors that Walmart is exploring its own streaming service, that other folks are thinking about getting involved in games, that Apple is going to spend half a billion dollars locking up mobile titles for its Apple Arcade feature. And it's in that environment where one of the last things that Sony really wanted to communicate here, I think was in response not to Microsoft and not to Nintendo, but in response to Google and the streaming tech giants and everything else that makes up this kind of information technology infrastructure, that it is not going to be a streaming solution. It is going to be a console, and it's going to be in your living room. 
and it's going to sit there and it's going to be as you remember it from when PlayStation launched in 95. And while there might be a future where they are going to incorporate cloud gaming, cloud services, things that Xbox is already starting to do with their Xbox Live services and their multiple device infrastructure, Sony might and very well almost certainly does have plans for a cloud environment. But the PlayStation 5 at its baseline level is going to be a little computer you sit under your TV and it's going to play games off of discs or digital downloads and it's not going to be streaming from some other infrastructure source. And so I think that's the last major thing that they wanted to communicate. So it's it's new. It's not the PlayStation 4 Pro Pro or Pro Plus or however you might otherwise want to derogatorily describe it. It's new. It does new stuff. It's not coming out this year, so feel free to buy your PlayStation 4s. And just in case you're worried that we're going to be all streaming all the time or we're going to be only digital and we're not going to support discs, we're not that. We're a console just like you used to know it. We are focused on games. We're not going to have the same kind of press conference that Microsoft had when way back in that E3 where they said TV more times than they said games. We're not that. We know what we do. We focus on games, and that's what they wanted to communicate with this. Now, I think that's interesting. I think that's an important message. I think that's a focused message. I think Cerny in particular has always done a good job of focusing the Sony brand, the PlayStation brand on this since he was given uh, the, the role of really architecting the PlayStation 4. But in that space, I don't know why it's right now. You know, it's April 16th, 2019. I don't know what the impetus behind that would have been. I said here in my uh, Twitter, we're going to talk about these uh, a little bit uh, because I do think there are some good discussions to be had. I'm going to recommend a few follows because I do think that they are uh, a lot of good things come out of these folks and, and Twitter gets a bum rap for a lot of it, uh, but there's a lot of good information to be had. There's a lot of good conversations to be had, and this is one of them. So I tweeted out, Mid-April is an odd time to share even small details for the new PlayStation. Perhaps coming earlier in 2020 than I would have assumed? Spring, summer instead of fall? Suggests they want to get out in front of Xbox, but why give MS, Microsoft, the chance to alter messaging pre-E3? Hmm. And what I want to kind of take apart there are, are what I'm saying, which is I had always assumed that the PlayStation and probably the Xbox as well would launch in the fall or near the holiday of 2020. That just seemed to be where it was aimed at. They came out in 2013. They're going to be 2020. I think that just made sense from a kind of logistical perspective. It's a kind of a normal generation length now of, uh, after mirroring the generation length of the PlayStation 3 era. But I would have also anticipated that they would have basically announced the PlayStation 5 in uh, March, April, May of next year and launch it in October, November uh, of next year as well. And I don't know what this article does to change that. I say here, is it coming earlier than we assumed? Could it be spring or summer of 2020 instead of the fall? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, and I also don't know the answer to the second part of this tweet that I, that I asked, which is it suggests they wanted to get some information out in front of Microsoft. But one of the things that I always get concerned about, and I console my clients on this kind of thing a lot, uh, in terms of non-disclosure and when to share intellectual property, when to share plans and strategies, when to go and participate in panels and conferences, what you can say there, what you shouldn't say there, these kinds of things. So I think about these kinds of issues quite a lot in respect of not just legality, but also business uh, and business sense. You were sitting as PlayStation with the biggest uh, user base in the video game sphere. 
You've got Microsoft that you know basically needs to make some big moves. They've been making some big moves in terms of buying uh, studios. They've been making some big moves in terms of investing resources in their backwards compatibility campaign. You know that they need to make a big move with the next Xbox, which I am calling in my head the Xbox Infinity because I think it matches with the new Halo, and I think that's the name that they're going to give it, but we shall see. Uh, And uh, you basically have every advantage by just waiting for Microsoft to announce what it is that they're doing and then responding to that. You don't need to get out in front of it, I wouldn't think. And so by having an article like this, Microsoft is now fully aware. And candidly, they probably had some inkling because uh, markets are small, businesses are small, and you generally can find out a little bit of information about what your competitors are doing through back channels and the like. Uh, not, Not anything fancy. I'm not talking about espionage or anything like that. Just kind of a generalized knowledge of what vendors are doing, what factories are taking up, things of that nature. Uh, over and above spying and illegal activity. And so I'm not sure Microsoft would be completely unaware of this, uh, but now they're now they're completely aware of the major thrusts of what Sony's aiming at. They're aiming at ray tracing. They're aiming at a solid-state drive. They don't want to be a streaming solution. They still mention VR in that article. We skipped past it, but they talk about VR being a very important aspect of what they're doing. And I do think uh, the VR sale-through, the PlayStation VR sale-through, is about 5% of their user base, which is... Not horrible for a peripheral, but obviously they would love it to be a lot greater. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, if the PlayStation VR environment gets a big boost from PlayStation 5, whether or not that's a version that comes with a new uh, PlayStation VR refresh in the box, or I couldn't tell you. Uh, but I think that they are invested in VR. You saw that from State of Play. You saw a lot of games uh, that they were really backing uh, either with VR components or entirely VR. And so I think that's one of the areas of differentiation they have against Microsoft. And you see a reference to VR in that article for that reason. You want to differentiate from your nearest competitors. But now Microsoft knows exactly what they're aimed at. Uh, and so I do think when you haven't finalized the designs for an Xbox, when you haven't finalized the designs for the product that you're going to make, it does give you at least certain advantages to say, okay, we know that they're aimed at the X, Y, and Z. So we can see exactly what we want to do to either match that or to go a different direction and try to hit a lower price point or what have you. Information is power when you're talking about business and now that information is out there. And so I didn't see a lot of advantage for Sony releasing that information today. I still don't exactly see a lot of advantage for that, but I had a lot of good conversations on Twitter with some folks that I'm going to highlight here. I'm going to recommend the follows. Uh, And they brought a couple of different ideas as to why that might be, and I'm going to talk to you about them in this episode uh, because I think some are good and uh, some I don't fully buy. Um, So Dom from Dom's Playing, who does a lot of great work talking about, uh, in particular, a lot of Destiny stuff, but also business uh, and NPD numbers and things that relate to the business of video games. If you follow me, if you follow Virtual Legality, give him a follow on Twitter. He's a really great follow, uh, and he has a lot of interesting things to say, and you can have a lot of good discussions with him about what you're thinking about the market and what you think about the business of video games. He's always willing to jump on there uh, and tell you you're wrong like he does right now. Uh, He says to me, curious why it's odd to tease now. The risk that people will delay their purchase to next gen? PS4 is almost at 100 million units. I'd say market saturation is nearly here. So that's his first statement. And as you heard from this video, I actually think the opposite. I think it's a good thing to essentially say, no, PlayStation 5 isn't coming for a while, that this message was designed to do the opposite. I don't think you have that risk of having people wait. You are essentially trying to allay that risk of having people wait by saying, yes, this cool thing is coming. Sony's still in the video game business. Absolutely, we're not going anywhere, but 
if you're interested in Sony video games, if you want to play Spider-Man, if you want to play God of War, if you want to play the stuff we're making, get a PlayStation 4 because PlayStation 5 isn't right around the corner. You're not going to feel burned. You're not going to feel dumb for buying a, a console right now. And I think that that message was clear, and I think it is a good reason to deliver it. I'm just not sure about right now. He goes on to say, I think it makes perfect sense to reveal now ahead of E3, in particular that it's straight up not a 2019 launch, which we just talked about. I then respond and say, I think it's odd because in general, I feel it's easier to keep people's attention over no more than about a one-year window. So I say, what is the purpose of this? Don't wait for 2019 is a good one. We just discussed that, but not unexpected. So why reveal it at all? Still thinking on that. Then he says, I see many reasons. Reveal before its competitor and prior to E3. So that, that did happen. They did reveal it before its competitor and prior to E3. I don't know what exactly the advantage of that is. I think there are more disadvantages than advantages, but somebody's going to come up with some advantages that I at least like uh, and that I do think are worthy of consideration. Then he says, another advantage is safe for sure. It's not 2019. We talked about that. We agree. Show it's a generational leap. We also talked about that. And I think that does make sense. I didn't put that in my tweet, so I'll give him full credit for that. I do think it's important to establish that this isn't a half generation step up. I'm not entirely positive outside of the solid state drive that the article does in fact communicate that, especially for folks that follow this closely, like folks that would be reading Wired or having these conversations on Twitter or following the PlayStation 5 trending hashtag, et cetera, et cetera. They say it inform it's not a standard console, not streaming. That's absolutely true. And give enough to leave people wanting. I'm sure a new console will stay in the consciousness more than a year. So again, I think that's all fair. And I think those messages were conveyed. I think they're good messages to convey. I think they did a good job conveying them. I'm still not sure exactly why reveal before its competitor and prior to E3 is a useful thing to have done from a business perspective. And I don't think I get that answer from Dom, which is fine. Um, we can just disagree on that. He sees it as a good thing because, oh, you're first, you get a first mover advantage. You're in the zeitgeist. You're in people's heads. You will be in people's heads when Microsoft announces their console. And there's some truth to that. I just don't think that those advantages are outweighed by the disadvantages of essentially allowing your competitor to have foreknowledge of what you're looking at and to be able to present uh, what will at least be presented as a stronger counterpunch uh, at E3 than it might otherwise be if they didn't know exactly what you were doing with specificity. Um, then we have some uh, discussions with another person, uh, the goddamn DM, uh, who's another good follow, mostly talks about video games, as well as you might imagine, dungeon mastering. And he says, well, they've got the Pepsi versus Coke advantage in their market. Most people will buy one or the other anyways, and a lot tend to get both. Not really a race or competition when there's only a first place and second place and a few hundred million for each at the finish line. Now, I disagree with this, but I understand the concept, which is basically this doesn't matter so much uh, because every winner is going to happen pretty much the same. It's a similar kind of market, and you don't need to worry about it. I think that's fair from a kind of macro perspective. Hey, the next Xbox is going to be a success. The next PlayStation is going to be a success. Even the PlayStation 3 didn't fail. Even the Xbox One didn't fail. You can only kind of hurt your market so much. That being said, one of the purposes of virtual legality, one of the purposes of my job and the counsel that I give to my clients is to really talk about, okay, so maybe both of your outcomes are good here. How can we make sure that we get the best outcome? And I do think that, that it's worthwhile to think about, hey, was this a good idea for Sony? Is this a good idea for Sony to be ignoring E3 and instead to be presenting it in this fashion on a random Tuesday in April to the folks that follow Twitter and follow these things kind of directly and watch uh, and listen to podcasts like Virtual Legality, but not to a broader spectrum. 
unlikely to be handled by a lot of major media until there is an actual PlayStation 5 to tie the name to. So what is this purpose here? And this is what I say in my response uh, on Twitter. I say, well, they certainly do in this generation. They have an advantage. They're the bigger uh, competitor. PlayStation won this generation. But if anything, console loyalty in the U.S. has been very fluid and responsive to the technology on offer. You saw PlayStation, PlayStation 4 win, but you saw Xbox 360 win. And you saw PlayStation 2 win. And to some extent, in the middle of all that, you saw the Wii win. And so you do have a environment, a marketplace that is really responsive to what is actually put in front of them, what is on offer, what is being sold, rather than just the name on the side of the box. So I do think this is a slightly different business. This is a slightly different industry and market to analyze than some of the kind of older guard where maybe you're not going to shift your market share that much. You got Pepsi, you got Coke. Everything is kind of stayed, is kind of standard. It's kind of status quo. Here you really can screw up. Here you really can announce that you're going to focus on TV and connect and announce a super expensive box and lose almost all the goodwill and market share that you gained in the previous generation. So I do think CEOs in this particular field, COOs, the folks that are in charge of marketing, have to be really kind of attuned to what message they want to deliver. And I think it's worthwhile to kind of parse out whether or not we think this was a good idea. And I say to finish off this tweet, on the margins, you are playing for most favored nation status with third-party publishers, which is to say there's a kind of cumulative effect if you have even a minor kind of uh, improvement in market share, if you're slightly beating your competitors, if PlayStation is slightly above Xbox or Xbox is slightly above PlayStation, you do get those advantages with the people that are willing to have exclusive deals with you, that are willing to have advertising deals with you, that are willing to focus their development of their game on your console because they want it to look the best. Uh, And to have those kinds of conversations can essentially snowball a little bit. You saw Microsoft have to deal with that when PlayStation jumped out in this generation. And essentially all the third parties were very kind of specific and saying, well, they look better on the PlayStation. The Xbox One was not built with the power spectrum that we wanted. And so uh, we are going to favor PlayStation really all the way up until the Xbox One X came out. And then we still have kind of a middle status where PlayStation has that giant user base, but the Xbox One X is the stronger system. So you have this uh, detente between the two. And I do think that that's interesting. And I think that Microsoft has learned its lesson from that. Looking at some other kind of conversation pieces here, one of the things that jumped out at me that I liked uh, was uh, one of these uh, Twitter folks, uh, Alex Sony Xbox uh, uh, says rumors on the street are still quarter three 2020 for mass production of the chips that are needed for the PlayStation, that, the ones that Cerny described in this article. So we're still looking at a long time from now that those chips can even be made in the numbers necessary to sell these consoles. Now, I don't know exactly whether or not Uh, That's a fully vetted kind of article or or news item, especially since we didn't know what Sony was going to do or what they were going to aim at with respect to their processors. And you can move things around. You can invest in factories. You can invest in your own uh, factory lines if you need to, if you want to get into a specific window. So it is going to be something to follow. I don't know that it's locked down to a kind of quarter three production cycle for that. Dom reiterates that he's been team late 2020, and that's been my assumption as well. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure what announcement like this serves. And then one of the one of the things that I really liked from somebody uh, on Twitter that came out said, uh, Nightingale, which is Nightingale, by publicly acknowledging this product in an official capacity to the point that third parties can officially be part of the conversation, it opens up space for third-party publishers and partners to openly announce next-gen games at this E3 for all platforms instead of having to just say, coming to next-gen Xbox, other platforms TBA. And I really like this point, which is a fair one. 
if you've got Microsoft announcing a brand new platform at E3, and you've got, let's say, CD Projekt Red come out and say, Cyberpunk 2077, we're really excited about it. It's going to be available on next-gen Xbox and some other platforms. They can't say PlayStation 5. Now, I don't think they can say PlayStation 5 now, because that article didn't establish that the PlayStation 5 is going to be the name of the console, which seems like an odd thing to hide, since everybody assumes that it is the name anyway. So what you'd see in an announcement like this is something akin to what Nightingale wrote here, which is coming to next-gen Xbox and next-gen PlayStation, rather than the names of either console. Uh, And so... I think it's of limited usefulness, but I do think it's a good point. It's a point that I didn't think about it, and I like to call those out when they happen because I think a lot of people have a lot of good ideas, and I think Twitter gets a bad rap for the kind of interactions that you can have on there, and honestly, I think everybody does, bad interactions. Uh, But they have a lot of good interactions as well, and these conversations are always fascinating to me. And so I do think you have a lot of people saying, Um, This is a perfectly fine idea. This makes a lot of sense. I don't know that I buy it entirely. I don't know that I'm entirely convinced that this was such a good idea uh, that Sony should have presented the information in this way. I think they lose some of the capability of really showing off the things that are described. There's a difference between having a load time of 15 seconds and then a load time of a second described to you in a Wired article rather than seeing it in a video, seeing Mark Cerny present the PlayStation 5 in that same fashion. And I think seeing is believing in the kind of modern media landscape, and it would have been better. It would have had more impact, more punch to have a video of some kind to accompany that article. And maybe Sony's got that in their plans in the next couple days. Maybe they've got a state of play that they want to use to show off the PlayStation 5 very soon. And this is essentially a preamble, and this is all going to make more sense in a week. I don't know. Uh, But right now, as it stands, a Tuesday in April, a Wired article and giving away the thrust of the focus of what your architecture is going to be to your major competitors, including Google and Microsoft, uh, I don't know, makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know that this is the direction I would have gone. So with that as kind of the context and the background, I think it's very interesting to follow. I think Sony's trying a different path. And I can't say that they're wrong. There's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money, a lot of people with a lot of good pedigree that are making these business decisions at Sony. And they are making them uh, with the intent of doing the best job to message and massage the market and get them ready for PlayStation 5, probably at the end of next year. And who am I to tell them that they're wrong? But I am someone to tell them, hey, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm not sure that I understand the strategy here entirely. And I'm willing to kind of tease that out and piece it together with you here on virtual legality. So the next time we hear something about the Sony PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Infinity or whatever that next-gen Xbox winds up being called, I'll be here discussing it, discussing the business implications, how they messaged it, uh, and potentially the legality of it if we've got other components like import and export and streaming and data centers and whatever might come up in that way. Uh, So this has been Virtual Legality for today. If you like this video, as you can tell, I talk about these things very often, whether it's information technology, video games, PlayStations, Xboxes, Nintendos, Google, uh, what have you. I love to talk about this stuff. If you like this video, please like, please subscribe to the channel. Please share it along with anybody that you think might be interested from Reset Era or NeoGAF or Tumblr or Reddit or wherever it is that you find yourself where you're talking about video games, you're talking about the PlayStation 5, and you're having these conversations. I love to have them shared. I love to see new people in the channel engaging with me, telling me I'm an idiot, uh, telling me I'm right. I I love to have those conversations either way. Uh, But if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. I very much appreciate it. If you're listening to it on a podcast or podcast service, thank you so much for listening. I will catch you on the very next Virtual Legality.